And we're back with another edition of the Hail to Michigan podcast. I'm your host tonight, Matt. Uh, joined as always by Contown. Contown, how's it going? It's going great. Uh, enjoying a super normal Michigan football season. Um, nothing notable going on at all. Uh, you gotta love these very chill, uh, unnewsworthy years. Yeah, I mean, we, we haven't really had much to talk about, which is part of the reason we haven't, you know, been here. Uh, but the, the real reason we haven't been uh, podcasting much this this season has been um, we recorded, uh, we released an offensive preview episode uh, before the year started, um, and we taped a defensive preview and overall outlook preview um, right around the same time. And when we attempted to release that, uh, it was blocked for what we were told was copyright reasons, um, which we're not really sure why. Uh, so without with that episode not releasing, um, we kind of were in a temporary pause for a few weeks. And the beginning of the season schedule uh, combined with um, the actual results that happened within that schedule um, we just weren't really, you know, finding good times to get together and record new episodes. And we didn't feel like it was right to jump right into in-season stuff when the preseason stuff hadn't wrapped up. So with that being said, you know, we're here for the next few weeks. We're going to do one every week uh, with the season. You know, truthfully, we probably looked at the schedule before the year and a lot of people said, you know, the schedule is really going to come down to November. So, you know, from a timing standpoint, it probably couldn't be any better to kind of start uh, back up when the schedule really gets going here. Um, probably one more week of, um, you know, before the real rubber meets the road here. But it's where we've been. Um, we're excited to be back, excited to talk about um, what's coming here in the next month. Uh, but before we do that, I'd like you to review just a little bit, Contown. Just give me your. I'll call it the preseason, the season leading up to this point. Um, give me a little bit of a recap from the season of the on-the-field stuff, what you've seen, what you've liked, what you've disliked, um, just your overall thoughts on the season so far. Yeah, from the from the football perspective, it's been – it's obviously been super enjoyable. Um, if, you're, if you're someone who likes, like, real close competitive games against great – opponents um ranked opponents maybe you're not uh, enjoying it as much as i am um but i uh quite frankly i care much more about michigan winning than the quality of uh the game or the closeness of the game so uh it's been a super enjoyable season for me um and michigan has still had some great road big 10 victories which is always hard um from a team perspective i think uh it's hard to imagine a better um first uh what are we at five games of conference play uh for michigan um i certainly can't remember a, a michigan team in recent years that has looked better through five games of conference play than this one uh it's kind of funny because michigan was uh criticized and uh had their out of conference schedule scrutinized all year for being so weak, um, but I would say Michigan had played maybe its three worst games of the season in the in the non-con. Um, it, it really treated those three games as a preseason, never had um, the full complement of guys on the field at once. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh was not on the field for those games, um, but it's, this team got into Big Ten play and has really become a juggernaut. So, um, it's the best offense we've seen under Jim Harbaugh. Obviously, you've got a quarterback who is firmly in the race for the Heisman Trophy right now. Um, you've got a receiver who really should be on the Bolitnikoff list. You've got two of the best tight ends in the country. Um, and and the defense is, uh, you know, people can nitpick uh, different things in different weeks, but um, for all the very minor flaws it's shown, statistically it's right up there with, uh, the last two years um, of Michigan defenses, and uh, if not better, so this is really um, 
just been a, uh, a joy to watch this team through Big Ten play so far. Um, really impressive going on the road to Nebraska and Minnesota, which are two quality opponents. Um, if they're not, you know, even if they're not top 25 opponents, those are decent programs, good environments. Um, both have still have a good chance to win the West. And uh, those games were not competitive whatsoever. Um, obviously, the biggest, uh, the biggest victory over Michigan State uh, on the road, uh, but the biggest victory over Michigan State in the rivalry since the 1940s. Um, it, it's been just a juggernaut of a Big Ten team right so far. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. And you know, you mentioned the out of conference and that probably being the roughest stretch they were with how much they were rotating. I mean, it was going to be hard for them to find any type of rhythm or consistency um, on either side of the ball, but there's not, you know, I think that gained a lot of valuable experience for guys. Um, I think that was important. I think the coaching um, kind of situation that was always, you know, rotating for those three games. I do, do think that had an impact. And and you're right, you know, with the Big Ten play, you know, the only thing you can really complain about on the season is, you know, some of the numbers aren't as gaudy as possible, you know, and a lot of that is because we, the starters have not played fourth quarters. Um, yeah. Really at all. Um, so I, I think some of the, you know, efficiency numbers are going to have to be, um, looked at when evaluating got different guys for awards um, and and a lot of the guys will get their chance to make you know make big splashes here in November but um, yeah about as good as you could have hoped for I mean I think some of the questions coming into the year um, were answered um, you know offensively I think there is still a little bit of a question on the offensive line um, just because they kind of after, you know, week three-ish kind of scrapped the whole, you know, the starting group from then um, and kind of switched the tackles around and started over. Um, but defensively, you know, the only real question was cornerback number two and, you know, maybe safety depth. And that was certainly answered um, throughout the first eight games and uh the cornerback number two will you know we'll see here with some of the tougher uh passing attacks on the schedule coming up but you know overall i think you know even the most optimistic a fan could not have asked for a much better uh, first two months of the season um, than what michigan has put out there on the field um I wanted to talk a little bit before we get into like Purdue specifically a little bit later in the pod. I wanted to just kind of, you know, get the lay of the land here for November, what Michigan has coming, what we should be looking for um, kind of throughout the conference. Um, we'll start with Michigan. I'll just run over the schedule. Just, you know, we obviously Purdue game this weekend. Um, then they go to Penn State uh, next week. Uh, the following week is at Maryland, and then Ohio State comes to Ann Arbor um, for the last week in November. Um, obviously, for Michigan, control your own destiny situation. Um, I want to get your thoughts on kind of the rest of the conference, you know, up to this point, where they're at, what we should be, you know, paying attention to here in November. Yeah, I think uh... – I mean, I think the more interesting, depending on your definition of the word, the more interesting side of the conference is the West because really nobody knows who's going to win it. Um, at this point, you have to assume the East is going to be decided in the game on November 25th between Michigan and Ohio State. Um, in terms of the our East uh, compatriots, it's it hasn't looked uh, very pretty <laughs> down the stretch here. Um, Indiana is a pretty bad football team, as is Michigan State, for various reasons right now. Um, Maryland, after looking like, uh, you know, what was probably their best team in a few years, maybe their best team under Mike Loxley. Um, you know, September, the juggernaut that is September, Maryland, extended into October for a little bit. And since then, they've completely fallen apart. 
Um, they've lost back to back games to Illinois and Northwestern. Um, and, uh, and, and Rutgers, to be fair, Rutgers is having their best year under Greg Schiano. And yeah. uh, they're absolutely a solid team. But, you know, it's still the big three in the Big Ten. But even amongst those three, I think it's there's some pretty clear tiers right now. Um, I think I, I, I think Michigan has looked the most impressive of those three. Um, obviously, people will throw strength of schedule out there. Ohio State has played a tougher schedule. That's absolutely true. Um, but even in some of uh, Ohio State's uh, less, you know, uh, lower quality opponents, the offense hasn't always looked great. Um, they've had efficiency issues on offense. They've got, uh, you know, a quarterback who is is mostly fine, and he's certainly good when Marvin Harrison Jr. is uh, available, but um, is not the fire-breathing dragon they've had uh, at years past at, at the position. Um, but so I, I think the conference is, again, it's going to be whoever wins the East is going to win the, the conference. And right now in the East, it certainly looks like, to me, uh, Michigan is the best team. Ohio State is close, but I would say has more questions than Michigan. And I think Penn State is a distant third. They're, they're, they're both distant from – Second place and fourth place. Uh, they're better than they're better than Rutgers, but um, as as we saw in the head-to-head matchup, they're a few steps behind Ohio State as well. Yeah, I think I think that you know really covers it. That Penn State is just so one-sided right now. Their offense seems so far behind, um, even what Ohio State is is capable of right now. And Ohio State, I think, is just different. Um, than mm-hmm. what we're used to with them. I just think they're kind of more of a, you know, defense is their strength. The offense is is good, but not elite like it has been. You mentioned the quarterback. You know, I just I just don't think their offense has been, you know, under McCord has been near um, what it's been in years past. And it, it's not just him. Their offensive line is um, significantly worse than what it has been Um under certainly under Urban Meyer and then now under uh, Ryan Day. So, um, you know, essentially by the end of next weekend, we could have it down to a two team race for the conference. Um, and uh, we'll, could be uh, the second year in a row with the, where they're both undefeated playing on Thanksgiving weekend. So, yeah. And I think that's, you know, as much as uh, we hate Ohio State, obviously. Uh, that doesn't need to be said. I, I do prefer it, especially the last few years where Ohio State has come into the game. Um, 2021, they had one loss, but last year undefeated. And, uh, you know, Michigan ends up winning that game. That's, I, I do think that's preferable to like a seven and five type Ohio State team. Um, it's, it's good for the Big Ten. It's good for college football when that's the most watched game of the year. And it's good for Michigan when that's the most watched game of the year, and we beat a really good Ohio State team. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, never cheering for um, for Ohio State, but you know, once it gets right. down to it, when if they're undefeated, it's it's better for better for the rivalry. So, mm-hmm. um, want to get touch briefly on obviously the news of the day, the week. Uh, <laughs> Pretty soon here, it's going to be the month. Um, the sign gate, as many are calling it. Um, you know, for me personally, I'm not all that interested in diving too far in to the details. You know, I don't think we have anything new necessarily um, to add um, that, that you probably haven't already heard um, from many different outlets. Um, and truthfully, I'm I'm not I'm not one to really want to take a hard stance without all the evidence, without even a notice of allegations. Um, you know, I think there are a lot of possibilities still on the table um, in terms of you know what the type of punishment could be. Uh, I don't think it will be anything major. I just think there could be a variety of ways that that this is handled. I don't think any of it will impact this year. Um, 
So, you know, I just don't think that it's a good use of our time to uh, go too deep into that, but I'll let you share your thoughts on it too. And then uh, we can move into the, into the Purdue game. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's been over covered to this point. I understand Michigan is um, kind of a gold mine for, obviously we see it in TV ratings of games. It's also true for uh, clicks and, uh, you know, social media engagement. Um, if you talk about Michigan, you're going to get traffic. So if Michigan has anything that resembles a scandal, it's going to be um, probably covered, probably over covered, covered more than uh, it needs to be. And there's probably just not a lot that we can add at this point. Um, if you are listening to this podcast, you're probably paying attention to the sports world generally, which means you've seen plenty of stories about Michigan uh, lately. Um, I agree with everything you said. Uh, as of this moment, it looks incredibly unlikely that any sort of punishment, sanctions, what have you, will affect the 2023 season. Um, this is true of you know both what has been said and done by the NCAA, the Big Ten, um, people at the University of Michigan. Um, but it's also true uh, kind of rationally uh, thinking about things. Michigan is huge for ratings. Um, the college football playoff does not have to listen to the NCAA. Uh, the Big Ten is um, obviously mostly funded by Fox, the TV network. Um, and the Big Ten wants its conference to be super competitive and have its brands like Michigan and Ohio State uh, be playing all of their games. So um, I don't, nothing tells me that there's any kind of, um, you know, in, imminent punishment or sanctions coming to Michigan this year, um, whether, you know, there's any kind of sanctions that will eventually hit uh, the program and not just the one individual that uh, is at the center of these allegations. We'll see, but I don't think we'll find that out uh, until probably well into 2024, if not even like 2025. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, we were told when Harbaugh was hired that, that he would be a, a lightning rod in terms of the me media. And, you know, I guess when you add in, add him to Michigan and then a potential scandal as well. I mean, it's got the makings of a story that's going to last, you know, like you said, be overcovered last a while. So um, we'll see what happens. There's more information to come. Michigan will get their chance to respond. Um, so that is, uh, that's basically does it for uh, sign gate. Anything else before we jump over to Purdue? Uh, not really. The only thing I would, as advice to Michigan fans, uh, if you're sick of the takes you're hearing at a national level, just stop, stop consuming it. This is all just, um, you know, this is paying their bills, right? Like, like I said, Michigan's a gold mine for clicks and attention and traffic. So, um, if it, I would personally have kind of made the, um, decision, not really, uh, super consciously, but um, just made the decision to not consume anything unless it's coming from a Michigan person or the actual like NCAA or Big Ten itself. Um, otherwise, it's mostly bluster at this point. Yeah, the best way I've I've followed it, or I've found to be the best way to follow it, is just listen to the Michigan side or the Michigan voices that you trust, um, and you know, they're obviously reading all the stories. They're breaking down all the details. And then they summarize it and tell you what's what. And you could say, well, you know, that's a biased look on things. You know, you're only getting the one side of the story. And it's like, well, they're reading the information that's posted. So they're seeing the other side. And then they're just responding to it with a much more, um, I think, level-headed take than a lot of the national media is giving. And, and I think, too, the other thing is so many of the stories, especially in the last, you know, since like the end of the week last week stopped, there's been 
you know, every day the story that's been a supposed bombshell has been just a nothing burger every day. It's just like added details that we already knew that there's just a new person commenting on them. So, yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. I've kind of went the same route and not paid attention to it a whole lot. Um, from the national media side of the coverage, um, I've read a few voices and listened to a few things. Joel Klatt, shout out. Um, but, you know, Cover 3's done a good job from for a national standpoint of being relatively fair and um, not sensationalized. So those are two good national voices to listen to, but Listen to the to the Michigan side and voices you trust. John U. Bacon, Sam Webb, MGo Blog has done. You know Brian's done a great job. So yep, um, they're they're consuming all the information and and breaking it down for you to where you don't have to uh, overreact to every piece of news that comes out. Yep, uh, absolutely. And the last thing I would add is it does sound like or based on various reports from those very people you just mentioned, does sound like there will be a Harbaugh contract extension soon. Um, that in itself is good news. Uh, you can also use that as a lens to through which uh, to view Michigan's perception of um, the allegations, infractions, um, eventual punishment. Uh, I think I think whether or not Michigan's perception of things ends up being in line with the NCAA or the Big Ten's actions, it at least you know a, a massive contract extension for Jim Harbaugh right now at least tells you um, where Michigan thinks things will go eventually. I agree. All right, let's get into it. Uh, Purdue two and six. Purdue Boilermakers team Michigan faced in the Big Ten Championship last year. Come to the big house on Saturday, uh, 7.30 kick on NBC. Uh, Purdue's coming in, uh, losers of three straight. Um, it has n- not gone very well after, you know, not a great start, but they look kind of decent at the start, uh, you know, early September. Um, and then they had a big win to cap the month against Illinois, who I think at the time people still thought was going to be, um, you know, a pretty decent squad. And it has been downhill since then. Losses to Iowa, Ohio State, and Nebraska consecutively here. Um, So let's start on um, the defensive side for Purdue. Um, they are led by head coach Ryan Walters, who I think both of you and I have um, tremendous amount of respect for. I think he's a great defensive coach. Um, it's been a little bit of a struggle in the first year for, for his defense. So give me some keys to look for in the game, uh, strengths and weaknesses of the Purdue defense. Yeah, so I, I guess probably easiest to start with the strengths of this defense. Um, They are mostly led on defense from a a player perspective, uh, a, you know, um, actual performance perspective by their two edges, uh, uh, Kydron Jenkins and Nick Scorton, um, hopefully pronouncing both of those correctly. Um, uh, Jenkins uh, leads the Big Ten in tackles for loss. Uh, with 11 and a half. Um, he has uh, seven sacks on the year, which is almost twice what any individual Michigan player has. Um, and Scorton also has five sacks on the year. Um, and uh, these are, these are really the two, the two stars on the defense. Um, you know, this is a defensive structure that, Walters, uh, being the defensive coordinator at Illinois last year, mostly brought over from Illinois. Um, so you're going to see a lot of similarities in how they play defense from the Michigan-Illinois game last year. Um, those similarities mostly be uh, structurally and schematically. Not It is certainly not on the same level as the 2022 Illinois defense, but um, in terms of edge players, 
they're you know close close to the same level as that defense that Michigan saw last year. Um, Scorton is the bigger of the two edges. He's kind of you know they're what Michigan would call the rush, uh, the more McGregor, uh, you know Mike Morris type guy. Um, it's going to stand up. Both both these are stand up players, but Scorton is six four two eighty, so he's a lot to deal with um, for an offensive tackle uh, dealing with a stand up player. Kydra Jenkins is more of uh, uh, your Josiah Stewart type player. He's six one two sixty, so um, he's got a little bit more a little bit more bend to him, a little bit more uh, pass rush forward player, uh, a little bit lighter in the pants against the run, but both formidable dudes off the edge for Purdue. Um, and that's kind of where the praise for this defense stops. Um, the, the toughest task that Ryan Walters was going to have this year coming over to Purdue was from a personnel department. Um, this team lost most of the, the really good players from last year, whether due to graduation or NFL uh, draft entering or uh, due to entering the portal. Uh, you know, some players left, some followed Jeff Brom to Louisville. Um, some players left for other pastures, but this wasn't a great roster and the style of defense that Ryan Walters likes to play, uh, you know, press man, uh, single high safety in the parking lot. Sometimes they'll run, uh, a too high look, but it's a lot of press man. Uh, if you don't have the horses for that, uh, it's, it's going to get ugly on the back end. And right now Purdue just does not have the players in the secondary that, Ryan Walters needs um, to run this defense the way he wants to to run it. Um, so, a lot of the a lot of the issues they've had this year on the back end, uh, Markevius Brown and Derek Rogers are the starting outside corners. Cam Allen is going to start at nickel for them. Um, Brown and Allen especially have been picked on in coverage quite a bit this year. Derek Rogers is a freshman; he's been a little bit better. Uh, than the other two that I mentioned, but um, not a guy that would start at Michigan by any means. So um, there's some growing pains as Ryan Walters reshapes this roster uh, to get it to the point where he can play defense the way he wants to play defense. Uh, but right now, you know, expect Michigan to see a lot of uh, man coverage this weekend and expect JJ McCarthy to have um, a decent opportunity to. Uh, Kind of add to those stats that have him in the middle of the Heisman race right now. Yeah, one of the things you mentioned when talking about the conference um, as a whole, you mentioned kind of the separation of powers. So that was kind of the one of the first things I did when I was taking a look at Purdue, and I went to I went to the Ohio State score, you know, the box score, and was kind of just glancing over that, and it's like. God, they give almost 500 yards um, to Ohio State, and a lot of it was through the air to a quarterback who we mentioned we don't think is all that great. When you're trying to play press man, you know, cover one all day against Marvin Harrison and friends, you're going to have a bad time if you don't have, you know, future NFL players in the defensive backfield. So um, I agree with everything. Uh, that you covered there, I think it's going to take a little bit um, for you know Walter's prowess on that side of the ball to you know really materialize, um, and it's just going to be tough for them. Um, Michigan is very much in a um, putting defense is very much in a pick your poison um, type of situation this year. Um, they can absolutely threaten teams through the air. Um, much more so than, than years past, it seems so. Um, but I, I do think we'll see a heavy running running day. Um, you know, Purdue really is uh, – they're giving up, I think it was 160 yards uh, rushing per game. Uh, let me double-check. 154 yards. So 154 yards per game. Um against a Michigan offense that would love nothing more than, um, you know, to be able to pound the rock, especially in the second half as they kind of ice the game. So um, I think Michigan will be able to exploit kind of whatever they want on Purdue's defense. Um, 
on Saturday. Let's yeah, to switch. Add, to, yeah. Just add real quick some numbers. Um, you got kind of on that track. The the defense is middling all around, um, but their their per play numbers are really bad against the pass. Uh, they're 86th nationally in yards per opponent yards per attempt. Michigan is fourth nationally in our, our own offenses yards per attempt. JJ McCarthy, um, and from a points per play perspective, Purdue is 87th nationally on defense. Michigan is second nationally on offense. So um, this is also a team that is willing uh, and um, want to give up big plays. Um, so there's be a lot of chance for explosives. Again, that comes with the territory. If you, you're playing a lot of press man and you mess up, um, there's not a lot of guys around uh, to make to make a tackle right away. So um, look for some chunk plays for Michigan as well. Uh, we talked about the edge rushers, the one bright thing, one uh, bright spot in uh, looking over Purdue's defensive numbers. They're 17th nationally in sack rate. Uh, so they're, this is a top 20 unit in terms of um, getting after the passer, most likely. Michigan is 22nd uh, offensively um, in sack rate and, and preventing sacks. So that's a good matchup. That's one of the few good on good matchups for uh for michigan's offense first produce defense absolutely uh with how um middling their defense is we're gonna have to jump over to the other side of the ball and talk about how bad their offense is um just looking at the boring stats yards per game they are 98th overall in yards per game 95th in rushing yards per game and 85th in passing yards per game. Um, Michigan's defense ranks first overall, first against passing and seventh against rushing. This seems like a an extreme mismatch um, when Michigan's on on defense on Saturday night. What outside of um, you know Hudson Card, the transfer quarterback? Um, He's had a, a rough go of things. Eight touchdowns, almost two thousand, you know, seventeen hundred yards, but seven interceptions to go along with it. Um, just has not found the consistency um, that Purdue was hoping that he would bring. Um, what What's your overall thoughts on Purdue's offense, and uh, what should we look for on Saturday night? Yeah, it's another uh, a similar sort of the defense in which you're overhauling the roster essentially you lost obviously you lose Aiden O'Connell um, you lose some pieces on the offensive line and you're bringing in Graham Harrell uh, who is uh, more of an up-tempo air raid guy uh, you know Jeff Brom you know there's not it's not going from you know the wing tee to the air raid at all uh, obviously Jeff Brom had some prolific passing attacks but it's a different offense and uh, they just don't really have the the dudes to run it right now, uh, especially on the offensive line. Hudson Card is is uh, you know he's okay. Um, he was better at Texas than he is at Purdue. It's because he was being pre- protected by better players and throwing to better players. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it's it's been an ugly year for Purdue on offense. They do have a couple of nice pieces, um, namely the running backs. Uh, I think um, both uh, Devin Mockaby, who we saw in the Big Ten Championship game last year, as well as Tyrone Tracy, uh, who is a the Iowa transfer. Um, both really good players. Uh, I think uh, they, they kind of split time. I think Tyrone Tracy is technically the starter. Um, Maccabee is a former walk-on, but he is on scholarship now after he had a great year last year. Uh, but they're splitting time. Um, I think Maccabee has... Uh, slightly better stats right now, but um, Tracy might technically be the starter. He's a bigger, he's a bigger back than Maccabee. Maccabee is very fast, Um, but good running backs. Uh, They don't have a good offensive line in front of the running backs. So the two guys who might, might do well on another team, but um, are struggling behind this Purdue offensive line. Uh, The receivers, TJ Sheffield returns. Um, He's a decent player, although obviously not the star for them last year with Charlie Jones on the team. 
Um, and then they've got two Michigan products uh, that are going to start for them at receiver as well. Abdur Rahman Yassin from Southfield and Dion Burks from Belleville. Um, I would say all their receivers are, are decent. I don't think any of them would start for Michigan. Um, none of them are, uh, you know, horrific sore spots of the offense, uh, but they're just okay. So you're running a Graham Harrell air raid offense that is, um, you know, so go up tempo uh, and they want to get the ball out to these receivers quick. And you're doing so with a pretty weak offensive line and um, just okay receivers and a, you know, an off cast, uh, if you will, at quarterback and the numbers reflect it. Um, yeah, the numbers, the numbers are really ugly. They're 86, the SB plus right now uh, on offense. Um, that is, you know, one of the more generous numbers out there on the year, uh, <laughs> yards per play, yards per attempt, passing attempt, uh, points per play and quarterback rating. They are all outside of the top 100 nationally. So, um, it's been a rough go, uh, and it is again, something that is probably going to take uh, a year or two to get the guys, uh, in the system to do what they want to do. Yeah, it's kind of odd for them, you know, obviously coaching turnover, um, two schemes that, you know, can be difficult to play without some of your own guys in there. Um, I think people expected them to be a little better this year, just coming off the big, you know, winning the West last year. But if you remember, the West kind of fell apart in November last year. It's not like Purdue was some, you know, the West usually doesn't produce a juggernaut to begin with, but. Um, it's not like Purdue was some juggernaut all year. They kind of backed into the Big Ten championship game. Yep. Um, so, you know, it was an okay team that um, lost a, a good amount of production um, and had complete, you know, scheme change makeovers um, in one offseason. So, you know, in, in retrospect, it's not all that uh, surprising. Um, kind of how the season's gone for them so far. Uh, anything else before we get into uh, game predictions and prize picks? Uh, I, I briefly mentioned um, that they want to go fast, uh, but Purdue will uh, technically be the highest tempo team Michigan has played this year. Um, they're averaging only 0.2 uh seconds less per play 0.2 seconds fewer per play than michigan state so far so tempo wise it's going to be similar to michigan state it's not a lightning fast team uh they're 41st nationally in uh seconds per play um you know michigan state is 48th nationally and east carolina is 53rd UNLV is 54th so we've seen teams like this purdue is slightly faster than anyone else we've played I don't think they are faster enough where it creates um, a point of intrigue or certainly not a point of concern, but there'll be moments where they use tempo and um, it'll be at least interesting to see how Michigan deals with it. Very good. Uh, let's get into game. Uh, let's do prize picks first. Do you have some prize picks? Is that right? I do have some prize picks for us. Um, Let's start with uh, the star of the Michigan offense, uh, J.J. McCarthy. Uh, prize picks as of Thursday night has his over-under for passing yards set at 238.5. Oh, God, he's been right in that range for most of the year. I'll say over. I don't think they have the horses – uh, to stay with some of our guys downfield. Um, so I'll say over. I agree. Uh, over. Kyle McCord threw for 276 against this defense um, in Purdue. Uh, and uh, without Emeka Buka, if I remember correctly. Um, and Marvin Harrison didn't even have his gaudiest of days against this defense. Um, which is silly because he had a hundred yards and a touchdown, but uh, I, yeah, I think I think JJ McCarthy will be right around that like two seventy number um, as well. 
I would expect probably a couple big plays in the passing game. And uh, yeah, I think I think over over two forty for sure. Um, go to go to the backfield. Uh, Blake Quorum over under eighty seven point five rushing yards for Blake Quorum. Over. Only concern would be uh, if he's given the early pull. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go under for that reason. Um, under uh, or early pull, and also uh, we believe Kalal Mullings will return this week. Um, ben Hall has gotten a little bit of run recently, more so against Indiana than Michigan State, but also against both teams. Um, I think, you know, I think all year they've kind of been saving Blake's shots for the three-game stretch at the end. So um, I'll go over because of the early pull. I think you'll have, on a per-play basis, I think you'll have a a good game. But um, I think they'll split the carries a bit here. Wait, you'll go under. You said under first, and then you said over. Oh, sorry, under. Under, okay. under on 87 and a half. I, I'll, I think he'll be around 70, 75. Yeah. Yeah, under. I think he's going to have to do it on like 15 carries. That's my my concern. Because yeah. like, yeah. you're probably looking at, you're probably looking at from the whole offense, like 35 to 40 rushes. And I do think Mullings and Hall will each have around 10 each. <laughs> so yep, yep. you don't yep. have a whole lot, um, a whole lot left um, there for Blake and Donovan. So I'll stick with my over, but I've got a few more concerns now than just the early pull. Okay, let's go to uh, most, most of these prize picks will be Michigan offensive players um, due to the matchup. Um, let's go to the tight ends. We're coming off a, um, I, I want to say historic. I don't know how many numbers to back that up, but it felt historic at the time. Performance by a tight end duo for uh, Colson Loveland and AJ Barner against Michigan State. Um, for Colson Loveland, we have the over-under set at 33.5 receiving yards. And for A.J. Barner, we have the over-under set at 22.5 receiving yards. Your thoughts on Michigan's tight ends? Oh, man. Um, I'll say over for Colston and under for Barner. Um, gosh. It's hard to pick between the two of them, like who's going to get targeted more because it's been relatively even. Um, and either one of them could get over their number with one catch. I'll, I'll stick with that. Over for Colson, under for Barner. Yeah, I, I, I will go over for both. I think you know, my reasoning is exactly what you said at the end. That could be one play for both. Um, very easy for AJ Barner to have a, a 24 yard catch or a you know 40 yard play to Loveland. So because of that, I'm gonna go over uh, for both. But um, you know, a lot of a lot of targets to spread the ball around too. Um, last last speaking of those targets, last one here, Roman Wilson over under 53 and a half receiving yards. Um I'll go under I, the spread of targets, possibly a heavy run game. Um, he, yeah, he he's been over that most games this year, I believe. But um, and I don't think Purdue is going to be able to cover him. But I just think they're going to spread <laughs> it around a little bit more. So I'll say under, just so I don't say over for all of these. Yeah, uh, I'll I'll go over. Uh, same reason, I think. I just think, you know, especially Roman Wilson, like if he's open on one play, uh, he's not the guy you want to um, attempt to play <laughs> press man coverage on all game. Um, yeah, 53 and a half is, could be one play for Roman Wilson. So um, if he has two catches, I think he will go over. Um, uh, 
we'll get to a, a Purdue player here. Um, certainly fewer offerings, but uh, go to the, the quarterback Hudson card over under 157.5 passing yards for Hudson card. Um, under. He's just not going to have time. He's not going to have time to get that kind of for them to have much success in the passing game. Um, they're going to try. I, they're going to be behind. Um, they're going to have to kind of try to throw it all over the yard, but um, I just don't I don't think they're going to be able to protect them well enough for, for that to happen. Um, so I'll go under. Yeah, I I, uh, I tend to agree with the under here. Um, on the year, Michigan is giving up 141 yards per game, which is on the under. Uh, in the last three games, Michigan's giving up 108 passing yards per game. Um, so, yeah, Hudson Card should be the best quarterback we see. Uh of the last four, right? Better than I would, I would peg him as better than Katen Hauser, uh, Brennan Soresby, and Kalia Kamanis from Minnesota. Um, but uh, I still think under it'll be close. I think I think this will actually be decided by um, Michigan's tackling uh, on the back end, not not necessarily by Hudson Card himself. Um, but assuming we have a good tackling day, we are a pretty good tackling team. Uh, I think the under uh, will hit here. Yeah, that that number is way lower than what he's averaging, but it's just – I just don't think it's a great matchup for them. No. No. Um, and they are – they're pretty middling in terms of um, – like efficiency numbers uh, on offense too. It's just, I don't see them really staying on, um, you know, staying on pace. I, I see them falling behind the chains and yeah. Uh, the story of many Michigan opponents this year. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, all right, let's, um, let's get the final thoughts on the game. Uh, I'll let you go first. Uh, 32 and a half point spread and over under of 53, um, which they finally adjusted. Um, <laughs> the last few games have been, you know, high 20s, low 30 point spreads um, and still a really low over under, which like in the low to mid 40s, yeah. um, which is kind of a you know, tough. Uh, Tough little, you know, having an over under that low with a huge spread is just a just a tough thing to middle there. Um, so, what are your predictions on the game with thirty two and a half point spread and a fifty three over under? Yeah, uh, Michigan covered the uh, point total last week on their own, um, or two weeks ago, the Michigan State game. Um, I think the total here is uh, pretty spot on. Um, the but like you said, the the spread uh, the spread is hard. I, I think it's um, basically. Do you think Purdue will get ten? Um, and if they get ten or fourteen, uh, it's probably not going to cover. We'll see. Obviously, Michigan has hit upper forties and even 50 this year. But, um, you know, I, I think this will be, um, I think this will be a very similar game to, to recent games. I could see Purdue having, uh, one successful drive, certainly one successful broken play. Um, maybe kind of a drive and a half like an Indiana had, uh, but, ultimately can they can they play four quarters against this Michigan team and keep it within a couple touchdowns I don't think so um you know this is we both think very highly of Ryan Walters um especially is you know defensive acumen um but this is just he just doesn't have the personnel yet and uh this is a team that 
I'm not sure that they're getting worse, but their numbers have certainly uh, ticked down here as they've gotten into the meat of the conference. Um, you know, Virginia Tech, they got Virginia Tech when Virginia Tech was bottoming out. Uh, Illinois is a far cry from what they were last year. Um, so, uh, and then they lost to, obviously, they have lost to Syracuse out of conference, and they've lost their other in-conference uh, games as well. The game against Ohio State uh, wasn't close. Ohio State went over 40 points, um, something they have elsewise not done in the Big Ten. Um, so I think Michigan will get into the 40s. I think the defense will give up at most 14. Um, I'm going to say uh, 42 to 10 uh, Michigan wins. I think they'll open this up mostly through uh, passing, actually. I think they'll pass to run early and um, you know, kind of see if they can't blow this one open and then you know get the backups in and grind it out. Well, that was the exact score that I had. <laughs> so uh 45-7. We'll uh we'll adjust just a little bit there. I I think they're gonna get a field goal early with the starters, and I think there'll be a second half touchdown by Purdue. So that's why I was thinking 42 to 10. Yeah. Um so let's let's do 45 to 10. 45-10, just so we're not exactly on, but uh <laughs> So you're taking you're taking Michigan to cover, and I'm not. I've already bet on Purdue to cover. You know, I've got my uh, oh my, my OC my OCD uh, you know hedge bet, emotional hedge bet. That's so dumb. <laughs> That's so dumb. It's never failed. I always I always feel good losing those five dollars. Oh yeah, like you bet five dollars on. I know you bet a dollar <laughs> fifty. <laughs> All right, so. Um, That'll do it. We will be back next week uh, to recap this game. Um, that'll probably be the schedule from here on out. We'll be recapping um, the previous game, previewing the upcoming game. Um, if there's any updates, any of the sign gate stuff, anything more concrete, uh, we'll be here to talk about that uh, as well. And then uh, we'll Probably it'll it'll be just one per week, right? Maybe two for Ohio State. Have we done? Yeah. It? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we'll probably dedicate a whole preview to Ohio State, but hopefully we uh, don't run into any more roadblocks, and we can be, uh, you know, here regularly throughout the rest of the season. That's that's definitely the plan. So. Uh, for Contown, this is Matt. Uh, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Hail to Michigan podcast. And as always, go blue.